Welcome again. Uh, we've been looking at the worldview evangelism and worldview discipleship in the context of discipling and evangelizing folk Muslims. But go back to the Exodus. 400 plus years, these people are in slavery. Can you imagine they were the African continent? Uh, I don't want to talk now. I'm going to focus on Africa since I'm from there. But there where the African continent is, over the last 50 years we've been independent from all the foreign powers and still the suffering and corruption. They say the church, according to Phillips Jenkins in his book, The Next Christendom, uh, Christianity is moving south. And brothers and sisters, especially those who are watching uh, uh, teach, uh, this teaching, when they say the church is moving south, I don't think they're talking about Florida. They're talking about Asia. They're talking about Latin America and Africa. But if the church is moving to Africa, how is the church moving to Africa? Is our theology sound and good in Christ? Is Christ the center of our lives? Why the treatment of women is still going on? Female genital mutilation is still a serious problem. Um, in, in about, I think it's about 90% of women in Ethiopia, uh, about 98% in, in, in Egypt, about 50% in, in Kenya of women who have been mutilated with these practices that are still going on. Uh, sex trafficking uh, in Nigeria and Cameroon. These are all Christian countries or so-called Christian countries. So without being out of bondage, out of slavery like Israel, out of Egypt, we are stuck with our past. There's no hope. And then we come to the wonderful biblical story of Joshua. When you read Joshua chapter 1, we see that God is, uh, I think it's Theodore Epp in his book, Victory, uh, Joshua and the Victory He Had in Cana. But it is a story of salvation. Uh, Joshua steps into the promised land and they are suffering for 40 plus years going around and then they enter the promised land. Someone have said that if you put your faith in action, God goes into motion. I don't know how the, in the theology beyond that saying, but I agree with it. In chapter 2, Joshua go out to spy all the land. Chapter 3, there's a concentration uh, for them to cross the Jordan River. And then chapter 4, when you come to chapter 4 of Joshua, we find out that, that God is telling Joshua, to build a rock pile, build stones of memories. And so when your children and grandchildren ask you about, uh, about these stones, you will be able to tell them, our God did this to us. What are some of the stones of memories that we building in Africa, in Asia? Stones of hatred, violence against our women. Uganda, the Lord resistant army that is destroying that place. Sudan, how long they've been fighting? 28 plus years, they're still fighting. Rwanda, the Tupsin and the Hutus, these are brothers and sisters. I met a, a dear Christian from Kenya. Uh, he's from the Luo tribe. And I'm talking to him about the Kukuyu. He said, oh, those people, those people. In fact, my daughter will never marry anyone from the, uh, the, the Kukuyu. These are Christians. And if the blood of Jesus cannot remove tribalism, if the blood of Jesus Christ cannot take, you know, take these things away, our evangelism, our work, and whatever we do is in vain. So this is why we are going through this, to see that the power of God and only the power of God 
can remove sins. The passage in Joshua chapter 5, I love it. One time, like I've been saying, I almost memorized the book of Joshua. It said, get right with God and experience victory. In Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 through 14, Joshua is sitting right near the, 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 the wall of Jericho. Some commentators believe that Joshua and those who name Joshua, I'm actually aiming at you if you're in the class. Um, they say Joshua borrowed some books from the Egyptian library and forgot to return them and before the Exodus. And while going through these books and God came, or the angel of the Lord came and asked Joshua, and when Joshua saw him, he said, whose side are you on? We always love to do that, asking God, whose side are you on? But God said that I have not come to take side, I have come to take control. Until we allow Jesus to take control of our lives, in our evangelism, in our discipleship, we'll be building kingdoms for ourselves. Not just kingdoms, we'll be building our kingdoms also for ourselves. And I hope we will not do this in our evangelism of folk Muslims, in our discipleship of folk Muslims, that will present the gospel, not compromising it. You see, when you read this book by Michael Green, uh, Evangelism in the Early Church, one of the things that uh, the disciples or the church fathers did, they were not afraid to die. And therefore, they were not afraid to confront the culture they found themselves in. But many times where all these issues coming out in what you call the insider movement, in many cases, in many, many, many cases, some of our brothers from the West are afraid of the theology of suffering. They don't understand suffering. They don't understand what it means to put your faith in Christ and to die for him. And therefore, to try to water down the way they present the gospel, to water down the way they disciple men and women. Why will I want to go back to the mosque and pray like a Muslim? Why will I want to go back? It's like the whole book of Hebrews. This is what it's about. Telling these people, why do you want to go back to the Old Testament? Why do you want to go back to the old ways? Christ is better than Moses. Christ is better than Abraham. Christ is better than our African traditional religion. So when we present the gospel in our evangelism, when we present the gospel in our discipleship, these are the truths, these are the teachings we should present. Or else, like when Paul wrote to the Corinthians, if, he said, if Christ did not raise from the dead, our very faith is in vain. I always say this, if I accept the perspectives and the view of the Quran on the teaching of Jesus Christ, then I am not a Christian. And if the Muslims accept the teaching of the Bible on Jesus Christ, then they are not Muslims. There's no halfway. Remember when we talk about Elijah? This is why Elijah said, he said, choose for yourself. Choose between. You cannot waver between the two. Are those who study philosophy, the Lord of non-contradiction. So if Islam is true, it means Christ, you know, Christianity is false. And if Christianity is true, that means Islam is false. And this is where we have to stand. You know, every time I'm going to Africa or traveling, I tell my children, well, if you don't see me, remember, uh, read John chapter 14. And my kids will run and see what's in John chapter 14. 
and that is God is gone to Jesus gone to prepare a place for me. So if I if you don't see if I don't come back, I'm now with Christ in these beautiful mansions. Can you imagine? I don't have to pay mortgage. I look forward to that. Really, I'm serious. I, I look forward to that. No rent and credit card bills. My kids have to worry about that. I'm gone. See, what a day that would be to know that I die doing the work of Christ. One of my mentors, Dr. Larry T.G., uh, he just retired about four or five years ago for, uh, as a dentist. And he said, I'm 67. Uh, now I can go ahead and play golf and enjoy my life. And I told him, no, I think, I don't know that. I don't know if this is true, but maybe there will be golf in heaven. But if it is, we will play there. He said, I'm going to enjoy the rest of my life. He said, but Tony, I'm not going to do that. Do you know where Dr. Larry T.G. is today? In Papua New Guinea, for going from village to village, doing dental work, discipling, and helping people over there. This man is 70, 72 years old. Every time I receive his letter, I'm just challenged and comforted to know that he's still going strong. Brothers and sisters, the work that God has called us to, we have to deny ourselves, pick up our cross daily. And in our evangelism, we are confronting the kingdom of Satan. And do you think that uh, he's just going to let us walk away? Leading his people into the promised heavenly kingdom. As Joshua led the Israelites into the promised land. The name Joshua itself means what? The Lord saves. It's a huge symbol. And then we come to Samuel and David. The Messiah is God's anointed or chosen one as David was chosen king. He was anointed. God anointed him like uh, Samuel did with David from among his brothers. Especially in verse 7, God looks on their heart. It is not the washing of our bodies as we confront these people with the gospel. It's, uh, this is what I always said. If you say, if I read my Bible and say, you know what? There's problem in Africa. These people are lost. How can I go there and then start to water down my beliefs and values in order for them to accept my message? God is not looking at the position of our body. What are we are facing? Mecca? or we are facing Jerusalem. He's looking at our hearts, how sinful it is, and how only Christ can wash our sins away. What a day that would be when we all see Jesus coming. And these are Christians in Africa. I think we need to prepare the church in Africa. We need to prepare the church in Asia and Latin America. Uh, be it uh, evangelism or discipleship. And uh, Professor Josh, I've been telling him, I said, well, the word discipleship, people don't even use it these days because people are even afraid to invest. We have found new ways to call it mentoring. You mentor the person, maybe you meet for coffee, uh, 10, 15 minutes, they are done. But we have to do that, confront that. David and Solomon. It's the Messianic Psalms, Psalm 2, Psalm 12, Psalm 16, Psalm 18. And everything we're talking about, that God is pointing 
God is pointing to us. God is pointing to Christ. Uh, every word that we have gone through this morning, be it a Passover, be it Abraham and his sacrifice, or the call of Abraham, everything is pointing to Jesus Christ. The whole book of Joshua is pointing towards Christ. If I is in Joshua 24, chapter 24, verse 19, when Joshua have preached the sermon and all the people came to Joshua and they said, oh, we will do everything that the Lord tell us to do. Joshua said, it's going to cost you. And this is where our evangelism, be it in Asia or Muslim majority world or in Africa, it will cost us because we are confronting the kingdom of darkness with light. Where uh, First John, when you read First John, that's the whole example. Where, where there's light, there's no darkness. Where you have darkness, there's no light. The two things cannot coexist. God cannot coexist with sin. Uh, in fact, in Joshua chapter 7 and 8, we see this, the issue of sin and Achan's when he compromised what God said. Um, I usually tell my wife, I'm glad that God does not speak to us today like the way he spoke to people in the Old Testament. Because <laughs> in our context today, as Christians, we, we, we give many excuses. And those excuses become, oh, let's pray about it. We use prayer to delay the work of God. Say, oh, let's pray about it. Uh, someone is hungry, according to James, to come to you and say, oh, let's pray about it and be warm. No, this is not what we are here for. God wants for us to step out there and do exactly what he has called us to do. Let us look at the Messianic prophecies in the writings of the prophets. In Isaiah, let your Muslim, your folk Muslim, understand his call 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. Um, when you read Acts chapter 17, I think it's verse 21 or 22. They say all the Athenians did was to just sat around and talk. When you go to Africa, it is an oral cult culture. We talk and we play and we eat. But if you know how to tell the biblical story, one time I remember my mother who was a folk Muslim, I was telling her about Marriage and what I did, the story from Ephesians. I said, Oh, yeah, the, the, I said, There's a story told way, way, way back. I said, Where the man's supposed to love his wife, cherish her. I gave all the beautiful things that the Bible talk about the man's responsibility to his wife. And my mother turned to me and said, Where can you find such a man? The story was so good. She'd be, I didn't even quote Bible verses, but I just told her the story. And this is why we have to formulate our story. That God, this is not just yesterday, but thousands of years ago, going back to, all the way to Genesis, coming to Isaiah, God promised already to send this man, Jesus Christ, to come and die. And that's the story we need to, you know, to share uh, so in Isaiah, he's called 700 years before some of the things he revealed before those things took place. Foretelling the birth of the Messiah, Isaiah 7:14, a young woman will be with a child. See, the righteous king or the suffering servant. Most people don't even, I just love those passages from, uh, from Isaiah 40 all the way. To, the, uh, to 53, talking about the suffering servant, using different analogy, but the same truth. 
And this is where, uh, especially when it comes to what Professor Josh talked about when it comes to the insider movement, if we follow the example of the prophets and the disciples, we will not go wrong. Uh, when Peter, when Peter in Acts chapter 5, he said, we'd rather serve God than man. We'd rather obey God than man. So be it if, we, you know, if we're going to lose our lives. So be it. And this is where we as Christians today, following in the footsteps of the, uh, of, of the prophets, of the disciples, of the church fathers, and those who have gone before us. Polica, one of the church fathers, one of the guys that I really love, uh, when he was cut and brought before the king, and so he would deny Christ, he said, for 86 years have I served my law, and he has done me no wrong. How can I say I'm not a Christian? I am a Christian, and Polycar was killed. He died for his faith. He never compromised. So as we take the gospel to people, especially folk Muslims, especially animists or intellectuals or modern-day pagans, let us not compromise an inch of God's word because we want to save our own skin. I'd rather die preaching the truth than compromising the truth of the gospel for which Christ did not compromise but died for me. Jeremiah, the righteous branch and the just king to come. Jeremiah, for, for about 40 plus years, Jeremiah preached his message and no one accepted it. But Jeremiah knew that God had not called him to be successful, but God had called him to be obedient to his call. And this is where we have to. He said, God, all I have to do is go out there, preach the gospel. God is in the business of saving people, and I have to disciple them. And today, most churches in Africa, there are 78 million independent churches in Africa. They are more of a traditional religion claiming to be following Christ. And this is where the, our discipleship needs to be reinforced. Micah, the Messiah to be born in Bethlehem. So these are not just mistakes. These go way back prophesying the coming of Christ. Uh, Zechariah. The priest was only a symbol of the righteous branch to come. So let us look for some of these symbols within the context of the culture. Not compromising it. Not accepting it. But seeing everything in light of culture. Even here in America. There in Asia. In Africa. As we confront the animist. As we confront uh, the folk Muslims. Uh, and when I talk about folk Muslims, it's not just Africa or Asia. When you read Bill Mus and uh, book, um, The Unseen Phase of Islam, there are people, there are Muslims in, in, in Pakistan, Bangladesh, India, uh, Yemen, uh, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, Egypt, who are still worshiping like folk Muslims anywhere else. They're living in fear. And then Malika, a messenger, John the Baptist, is huge in Islam. Let us let these people know about these things and show from the gospel how Jesus fulfilled these things. Biancato, in his book, Biancato was the late uh, theologian from Nigeria. 
He said, until the African Christian can be rich with the gospel in such a way that when he sees a, a tree, he will not stop to buy to that tree, but he will walk away from the tree, pass it, knowing that he's walking in the faith of Christ. And but we have to present that gospel in such a way that that person will rely on Christ, not live in fear of the spirit world, but will live in the comfort and truth of Jesus Christ. So let us go out today, preach the gospel, teach the gospel about Jesus Christ, how he came and died for me and for you. But we should not just stop there disciple them to follow those things that Jesus said and did by reaching the rest of the world with the gospel. Father, we thank you. We thank you for sending Jesus Christ as we study the prophets, we study their teachings, we study their lives, how they die for their cause. So many, as we study the disciples, who left us in examples, as we study church history, men and women who stood for the very faith that you have given us today. And as we go out today to evangelize the world and disciple them to your teaching, may you watch over us. In Jesus' name, amen.